0: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: This is Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 66 of Internet Marketing. And today is questions and answers, and I have with me in the laboratory... Mr Daniel Rouse Hello And Mr Kelvin Newman Good morning or afternoon Depending on which
2: time You're listening to this Yes
1: Good good whatever the time of day Is that you happen to be listening As this is a podcast Of course And you can listen to it Whenever you want I have um, I think it's six questions Yes um, On six sheets of paper On my left And I must warn the listeners That as I bring each question Forward to be read It will make a paper Slidey sort of sound
2: So let's go That's not a sound effect You're putting in To make it sound like It's a real paper sound
1: (laughs) And uh, the first one Is from Ant Stone I'm not quite sure Where Ant is from he may tell us um, um, it reads um, hi calvin um, i'm a traveling freelance writer and i i've kept a travel blog which is www.trailofants.com for a while without monetizing it other than a small affiliate scheme um, i'm running low on funds so i need to boost my income i've decided to keep the pen flowing by creating a simple website and slapping on some strategically placed google ads i'm not fussy about what the niches are or what the url is. I just want to rank highly by including high-quality, well-researched articles about specific niche and keeping on top of the SEO. What are the best tools to find these niches, and how do I use them? I've been dipping my toes into Google AdWords, but this is the best tool for researching... Um, sorry, but is this the best tool for researching new markets? I'm blinded by... Am I blinded by Google? I must learn to read, mustn't I? Um, on a side note, does the estimated av CPC column in AdWords act as an indicator for how much revenue I'll earn? Thanks for everything that goes before this question. You guys are really helping me unravel my, the many mysteries of internet marketing. Thank you very much. Kel, um, I thought, you're not, Kel. Thank you very much. Ant, who wants to answer that one? Who's itching to if, answer If that I can one?
3: start off, I mean, just to answer the last bit first, mm. the average CPC will give you an indication of how much you're going to earn, but you're not going to earn that much. You're going to earn a percentage of that, mm. and the percentage is a bit of a mystery to a certain yeah. extent. Um, going back to the main question, unfortunately, it's not quite as easy as that because mm. the, the, the key concept is correct in that you could create niche content on a particular topic, get it ranking well, drive traffic to that, and then sell ads off the basis of it. Now, that, that, that's key, mm. but unfortunately, you can't just go and find something that hasn't got much competition get ranking well, slap up some content and drive the traffic. You're going to find it one of two things. Either you're going to find a niche, create the content, but you're not going to get hugely high levels of traffic, although you can get you know decent levels. Or you're going to go for something that's a bit more competitive. You'll get more traffic, but you're going to have to do a lot more to, uh, to get there at the end of the day. Now, essentially, either way, what you've got to think about first is providing value. It's no good just slapping up some content and uh, hoping the traffic's going to come. You really need in-depth content that's of use. You've got to then seed that so people know it's there. You've got to build links and you've got to do all the standard SEO kind of principles. So I think what you're better off doing is finding a niche that's not too competitive. So look at something that's got tens of millions of pages Mm. listed rather than hundreds of millions of pages Mm. pages listed in Google. Mm. But then find out something that you're really passionate about and actually write on that topic in depth but then try and engage people. So potentially the travel writing thing, Mm. although there's a lot of people doing it, if you could find a particular niche and then you can produce content that's engaging... Mm. Uh, And you can get into a bit depth and you can see that that's a lot lot more likely to be successful. So a great example of travel writing that uh, in certain areas, if you look at 4 uh the Timothy Ferris blog, he's got some really engaging stuff on travel and he's done it in a really engaging way. Mm. It's not high budget stuff, but it engages the audience. Mm. And I think it's seeding that content, getting the engagement, building the links and Mm. building those relationships that period of time that's going to pay dividends in the long term.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say do it, I'd flip it on its head a little bit. So. There's two ways of doing this. One, let's look for niches and then decide if you want to write about them. The way I'd say is much better off doing it is get a bit of paper and write down all the things you're interested in and you know about that you know about that if you're in a pub, you feel confident that you can talk to people about. So that might be... You know, if we're talking about travel, it might be particular destinations that Ant's been to that he knows more about than a lot of people would. I'd go make that list and then make the judgment on if um, if if there's enough traffic and if the revenue would make sense from that point of view rather than doing it the other way around. Because, you know, Ant's a writer. He's a professional writer. He knows how to write about topics that might not be of most interest to him. But readers can tell, you know, they're not going to be any good there. And what you can't just do is slap up hundreds of websites where you just kind of churned out the content because that's only going to rank on terms of where there's no real traffic if you want to rank on a term with some traffic you have to do something good original and you know compelling and if you don't feel that the stuff you're producing is you know is compelling then no one's going to link to it and then it's never going to do very well in the search engines. so i think what i would say to man is there's lots of opportunities in travel in travel areas to write particular destination guides for a particular area so maybe it's a kind of like you know i um when i went to hawaii in fact it's a good example there's a blog about visiting hawaii that um andy beale's wife writes called govisithawaii.com or something like that which is really really good so that's one particular destination but i'm sure and if he's traveling around the world can come up with these on a kind of fairly wide scale there but he needs to look and see who already is writing about that and it needs to be better than the the generalists you know the kind of lonely planet type guys
3: yeah i think there's, there's a lot of black hat SEO tools for springing up new URLs, putting some thin level content on them as a blog and, mm-hmm. and kind of do that. And, and Google, because of that, gets quite suspicious of anything that's new, hasn't got a lot of content and then doesn't develop much as well. So you tend to get kind of sandboxed in the fact that you won't see much progression through the search rankings. Uh, another great example of a very niche travel site is Cheapo Vegas, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite ones, which is basically how to have a very, very cheap holiday in Vegas and where all the vouchers are and that kind oh, of thing. Okay. But that mm, does good. really well because it's just in-depth information on a particular topic. And it, again, works well.
2: Yeah, so I think you need to decide if it it will work in your, you know, you can write about it regardless of the money and you would feel comfortable doing it as a, you know, a job and a hobby there,
1: then look and see if it will make money. Follow your passion. Should we move on to the next question? Yes, please. Slightly papery sound. This one is from uh, Brian Venge. Hi, Kelvin. I've listened to the later podcast and absolutely enjoyed putting the content into practice with mixed success. There are a lot of references to Seth Goding's books, and when I went on his website, I discovered there are quite a few books he has authored, and they all seem very good. My question is, as a first-time reader of Seth's books, what order would you recommend for a startup entrepreneur, presumably to read them in? Um, more specifically, is if there is one Seth Goding book you'd recommend, which one would it be and why? I hope Andy and Daniel will also have their recommendations. Who wants to start with that one?
2: Um, well, I can start off by saying that after the interview we did um, a couple of weeks afterwards, and I'll add a link in the show notes um, for the show. Um, we actually, I did a survey of I think about thirty different internet marketers and asked them what their favorite Seth Godin book was, and asked them to give a comment about the one they found most enjoyable. So that might be a good place to start on that, so you can see what the differences are and what you know people within the marketing profession you know find most interesting. So that's one place to start. Personally um the two that i think i've read his most recent book lynchpin which is the one we talked to him about on the podcast and um, that's really good if you're working within an organization rather than kind of an entrepreneur but still very um very useful and interesting there as well and then purple cow is the one that i probably put um put my vote behind which is kind of a very good idea about making products that market themselves to a certain extent that you produce things that are so well that marketing comes
3: easy um so yeah that's that's where i'd i'd start on that one for me i think probably meatball sunday uh it's one of my favorite it's a very entertaining read it's a nice one easy one to plow through first of all uh and again very similar kind of topic but talking about you know how to differentiate in the marketplace and some Mm. people that have done clever things in terms of that so uh, have a look at meatball sunday it's a great one
1: um I'm not going to recommend any because I haven't read any of Seth's books.
3: <laughs> That's honest, rather than just saying, yeah, I'll go for that one. But
2: no, I, it, Sorry,
1: I'm too busy doing podcasts.
2: <laughs> but no, what I will say is, yeah, he's completely right. He does, he has really high output rates, which are just, um, you know, he, he will produce a book every year almost and has done for the last 15 years or so. So there's a lot of books there to read. But there is a kind of similarity in, you probably don't need to read all of them because they're all slightly unique viewpoints. But once you've read five or six you kind of get the gist from the back of the book what he's getting at there the dip's another one that's very highly recommended if um, you're an entrepreneur and it's kind of struggling through that stage where mm. your idea your, your kind of motivation starts to drop a bit um but yeah I, I would say you know the purple cow and meatball sunday are two of the most popular ones
3: the other thing i'd say as well is if you haven't got time to read on seth's books read his blog because he's the most amazing blogger in the world and that mm. he can write a single page blog that is so insightful. It's mm. incredible, and yet he pumps them out just day after day, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's he does
2: one every single day, and I think it's a set time. It's like nine nine a.m. Really? over there that they come out, and I mean, what? Then it's been really been an inspiration to me because I'm always inclined to write more that'll make it better, but he's really good at kind of just doing two paragraphs that make you think, and then go, actually, that's you know, mm. that's really good. So, does, does he
1: podcast? Um,
2: I don't think he does, actually. I think he's been involved in, you know, when he when we did the interview for Lynchpin, there were a, mm. a series of podcasts he produced around about that point in time. But I don't think he's got a regular one of his own. So maybe yeah. something we should... See, I can't him.
1: read, you see. I've got a, I, 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 I only read books with very big writing and lots of pictures. So I tend to listen to things more than... Uh, it, it's, probably, it's probably an audible. I'll, I'll look an audible, actually. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, he does do a lot of them as audiobooks. And the other thing I'll say as well, that if you are the kind of person who, you know goes, oh, well, I don't really like reading business books. They're all really quick. Like, you can kind of read them in an afternoon. They're not ones that take weeks and weeks to to read through, which is good and bad. That's kind of why some people like him, is because he's accessible. The reason some people don't like him is because they say he's a little bit, you know, um, you know, he deals with things on a superficial level. I don't think that's the case, but that's one of the criticisms that people have of him.
1: Okay, let's move on to the next question. This one is from Alpine Communications um actually david chambers he's in bath in the uk um kelvin really great podcast i like the fact that it's now weekly and short enough to listen to completely me completely on my way to work keep up the good work you guys really know your stuff thanks for that um david Um, i'd like to ask a question for your next q a session i've built up an email list or email lists of over a thousand with one email service provider which is a weber other esps have different features and different prices Um, You've recommended MailChimp in the past. If I transfer to another ESP, will uh, will I lose a lot of customers, e.g. through spam filters? It seems like this is a bit like changing bank accounts. Have you any experience or insights of doing this? One reason for switching is to create a combined email membership registration system. AWeber requires you to send a separate email and maintains a separate database. I use Joomla as my main platform for websites. Who wants to crack at that one?
3: um yeah i can happily have a look at that i mean the the key thing i've mentioned mailchimp a few times in the past i'm a huge advocate of mailchimp it's a great email marketing tool very cost effective very effective high deliverability rates loads of functionality and all that kind of thing um in terms of moving from one provider to the other so whatever provider that may be you've got a couple of issues first of all if with the existing provider you're sending from a particular email address you will find that that has been whitelisted by some people. So Mm -hmm. some people say, yes, I want to receive these emails. It will also have been blacklisted by some people and sent to some people's spam filters. So what you tend to find when you move to a new provider, if it's a really good provider and they've been whitelisted generally at the ISP level, i.e. they have relationships with lots of the service providers to say emails we send are of a high quality and therefore you don't need to blacklist us, you shouldn't have a massive issue in terms of ISP level spam filtering. What you need to do is when you send your emails is make sure that you spam check them. And MailChimp, for example, has a really good spam checking system. And you want to encourage people to then whitelist you themselves mm. as well. But you actually find that you will, you will lose some because some will go through to spam filters. But you'll actually gain a few where people were automatically spam filtering you without even knowing it. Yeah. So th- it swings in roundabouts mm. and, it, and, it, and it kind of equals out to a certain extent. Um, I, the only thing you need to make sure is if you're moving to a new supplier, you need to make sure they have very good whitelisting and very good mm. deliverability rates
2: yeah and i mean i think that's the thing to be yeah you're right to be concerned and much like the bank account thing it mm. is a pain mm. but it's does the functionality that you will gain from moving to an, a new supplier justify the effort um i know a weber or a weber i'm not quite sure how you pronounce it is a weber yeah it's pretty well regarded as well it's just you know we tend to slightly prefer mailchimp here mm. but that's you know a very powerful package as well and you know there's a few out there that campaign monitor as well yeah. and you know pure 360 are ones that we've recommended in the past um but, yeah, you're right. If the functionality that you want is only available with one system, you, you, you kind of, you're, it's a rock and a hard place. So I can, I can see the concern there. But yeah. I think Dan's right that it prob- probably isn't as bad an issue as you might initially have thought. Yeah, and
3: I think in terms of integration to Joomla and things like that, um, there's lots of APIs with MailChimp that allow you to integrate the two things quite easily. So you can
0: Planning for your next trip?
3: Send email addresses, log them in two places, put them into one database, integrate mm-hmm. with Salesforce and all sorts of different things. So, um, if it's got the functionality that you're after, the particular package you're to, I think it is worth it in the long term. You just don't want to be doing it every five minutes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But but make sure at the end of the day that if you are going to do it, spam check your first couple of emails really carefully to make sure that they're not showing up on filters. So you've got the best chance of deliverability.
1: Actually, while we're on the subject of um, emailing, um, sort of email marketing, a uh, quick question we could slide in here. Actually. Um, is it park HT video did ask on twitter a few days ago mm. is there a day of the week or a time of the day that's best for sending out e-newsletters anyone got a quick answer to that
3: yeah best practice says tuesday to thursday mid-morning uh but bear a couple of things in mind if you work in recruitment monday's a brilliant day because everyone comes mm. in on monday and says i can't bear my job or a new one uh so that has a different impact friday afternoon effect in some countries where people will do anything other than do any work. So if you send out a survey or doing anything <laughs> fun friday afternoon works but testing Always test your emails. The beautiful thing about email is that you can test, test, test. So try different times of day. Try different days of the week. For example, if you're emailing uh, teachers, teachers don't pick up their emails during the day. Mm-hmm. Might do it at lunchtime, might do it in the evenings, but they don't have the opportunity. So it very much depends on your target audience. But that's best practice, Tuesday to Thursday, mid-morning-ish. Yeah,
1: the best day of sending out email is it, for, it reminds me of a, a song about The Cure, actually, but we won't go into that. Next question. Um, this is from Jeanette Salt um she asks i just wondered if, if you've had any, any thoughts on this the metrics on word tracker are good but uh, from what i can see restricted to the uk and us google insights is great for trends in other countries uh, but do you know of a tool that gives you the metrics in word tracker but for countries beyond the uk and us i'm working on this now and would really appreciate any advice and any advice soonest thanks Jeanette.
2: Yeah, so Jeanette was talking about international keyword research tools and a couple of emails that we exchanged there prior to that one. And I think what she was interested to know is are there many international tools beyond Google's AdWord tool that you can rely on in different countries? I'll I'll be heads up and say I'm not a specialist in international search, but from my understanding and you know the various projects I have been involved in where other people have been working on them, there isn't the level of quality of tools internationally in different languages that you get in the us the uk and australia and canada and the english-speaking countries now um that's not to say that the you know there aren't tools in various different markets that that are quite good but you're not going to get the same level of data there as well but what i will say is um google do have a dominant market share in most markets not all markets but most markets so i would always give their tool the, the time of day there. Um, and that's the Google pay-per-click keyword tool, um, which if you Google pay, um keyword tool, Google is the top result that comes up there. So that's the one I use most frequently um word track is quite good and i'll drop a drop a link below on those guys to how to get through to them there's another couple like keyword spy one called spy which is a bit more of a pay-per-click one i
1: think we mentioned that one before yeah, which yeah, is
2: pr- pretty handy as well but yeah it's difficult unless you've kind of got an expert seo in that country who's been working on the tools there so i wouldn't like to recommend any
3: widely um but yeah it is a difficult challenge from when doing mm. international seo the only other one i've played around with on some international terms um and I- I couldn't guarantee you it's going to be that useful, but Mm. nichebot, N-I-C-H-E, bot.com. The one thing I say about nichebot, it looks like a spam website. It looks like it's trying to con you (laughs) into something, but actually it's quite a useful tool. Um, So it's worth taking a look at that. But again, in terms of international keywords, I'm not that aware of any tools that are fantastic for it. Mm. If the listeners know some, for individual countries, please just send them in.
2: Yeah, because I do. It, it's actually really surprising. I was looking the other day, actually, because I'm a little bit sad and check our um, iTunes ranking all the time. And in, 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 um, that is in not sad. That store.
1: is good practice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I was checking, and I, I suddenly discovered I could change my countries in the iTunes store and see where we ranked in different countries. And yeah, not surprisingly, we do quite well in English-speaking countries. But we, we do really well in like in France. I didn't, you know, you know. Presumably, there's quite a lot of English-speaking French marketers interested in digital marketing in English. Um, so bonjour to all the uh, and, yeah, and, and all, the, all the French listeners. And- or as I, t-
1: as I as I as I say t- to anyone who's French, I just say allo, because that normally get, you know they they think you can speak French. Then <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on.
2: So, yeah, um, it's, to answer to next question, not ones that immediately spring to mind, but like Daniel says, if anyone's got any um, particular recommendations um, who are listening to the, the podcast around the world, do let us know. Um, like I say, you can always drop me an email. That's kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Uh, we've got um, the hashtag on Twitter. So if you put hash IMPC on your tweet, we'll always pick that up. And we've got the new phone number as well, which I'm not absolutely certain of the phone number off the top of my head. Uh, but we will be including the phone number at the end of the show to, um, to give that phone number so you can ring in and leave messages. So rather than us reading them out, we'll actually use your
1: audio, which hopefully will work quite well for a few people. You'll be famous. Okay, we've got two minutes left. Let's see if we can get these last two questions done in a minute each. Probably not paper sound as he hits the microphone with it. This one's from Chris. Hi, Kelvin. Really enjoying the podcast, by the way. Um, I've been um, spreading the word. I even mentioned it on my blog, Brackets, which I have just started, so nobody's following, sorry, Brackets, a week ago or so ago. Um, I just had a question about how you can get your profile to the top of the pile on Google and other search engines. For instance, if you search Chris Dodson, uh, then a bodybuilder from America pops up. I'm keen to strengthen my online profile for numerous reasons, but having seen the regular article in campaign magazine, it seems like a lot of people suffer from the same problem. Brackets, even very senior marketing directors, etc. Brackets, any help would be appreciated. So I'm assuming this this is from Chris Dodson.
2: Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really common problem. I mean, me and, I don't know if I'll ask Dan here on the, right, on the mic as well, but um, my... <clears throat> My wife is due to give preg- um, to give birth. She's pregnant and due to give birth any time now. We've been thinking and looking at names, and one of the first things I've been doing whenever any name comes up is googling it to see if there's a you know mass murderer in, in somewhere with that name or kind of a you know a, a porn star or whatever. So it's it happens a lot. I just people, never would
1: have thought of doing that.
2: No, you know it's my my you know Google brain I have there, but <laughs> mm. it's a common problem whereby you, if you have a name that isn't unique and someone else is using it, their profile will perform the best. So. My first tip to be to Chris would be is create a website that you own and maintain that you want to rank well there. So if you can't get yourname.com, try the.net, try the you know various combinations that you've got there. But Google still love exact match domain names. So if someone's searching for Kelvin Newman and there's a website called KelvinNewman.com, that's going to rank really well even without as much links as other content would to would require to do well there. So that's the first step. Make sure you've got a website there. Next step is actually use it. So don't just say, this is the holding page, da, da, da. put a blog up. there. Uh, there's things you can do. Like I've got a posterous one up on my, um, posterous up on my um, yeah. com at the moment because I never updated it. But that just, I can send an email, it thungs up a quick blog post. There's content there, which means Google come back more frequently. And then do the usual SEO tactics, actually point some links at it. So whenever you comment on a blog, link back to your .com yeah. version yeah. of your, mm. your site there as well. There's other things you can do as well where if you want... Um, if there was a bat you know a person you really didn't want people to find or associated with you you can do some clever um online reputation management stuff where you create profiles on twitter facebook dig all those kind of sites that you've got point some links at those pages because they they'll rank very well anyway but if you point a few external links at them they'll rank even better and then that'll quite often push down the content of the other people there but my top tip is make your own website and point links at it whenever you get
3: an opportunity to.
1: Dan, have got some very quick thoughts here.
2: Yeah, just
3: a quick one. Um, there's a website out there called 123people.co.uk, mm. which has caused a fair yeah. amount of controversy because yeah. it basically data scrapes on a particular name, goes out to all the different places, looks at your pictures, yeah. your Amazon wish lists, yeah. your blog entries, all that kind of thing. Um, I did it on my own name, and it's scarily accurate in terms of the tag cloud that it creates. Phone numbers as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it has phone numbers, email addresses, all sorts of things. So it's quite a scary website. But what I do is go in there and you can edit your own profiles and just make sure that if you're on there, that it's actually got the details right. Mm.
1: Okay, I'm determined to get this last question in. We're at 22 minutes. Let's see if we can squeeze it in, shoehorn it in. Um, sorry, Patrick, I, I didn't mean to shoehorn you. We'll, we'll give you full, full and <laughs> due process here, uh, but we'll just talk very quickly. Um, so it's from Patrick Stewart. Hello, um, I have a question uh, that you can feature on your podcast, but be sure to let me know if you do feature it, so we'll let you, someone drop him a line. Yeah, um, I've tried old e-commerce um, – sorry, I have a tired old e-commerce website that I want to keep – but uh, give a facelift and host under a new URL. Uh, www.centralav.co.uk has the e-commerce pages, which will become www.centralavdirect.co.uk. Seagulls are going mad on the outside. www.centralav.co.uk will be an HTML site aimed at corporate customers with HTML pages and no e-commerce. My questions are, number one, what will happen to all the old search engine links, brackets, from Centralav, unbrackets, when I move the content to CentraLavDirect.co.uk? Question two, should I put a link? This is going to be a short answer, isn't it? (laughs) Question two, um, should I put a link from the new Centralav to old content, which will be on central central lab direct question three what are the positive and negative effects of what i'm doing thanks for a uh, thank uh, that's all the questions um and and he, he goes on but i think i'll stop there Who's got some thoughts on that yeah
2: i mean what i'll say is you can redirect sites and move urls quite easily using what is known as a 301 permanent redirect and use the 301 permanent redirect not the 302 temporary redirect but what i will say is I always have a preference unless absolutely necessary to only have one website for a business rather than multiple ones. And what I'll also say is just to give you an indication that Google, if you think Google are trying to replicate what it's like to be a person, the fact that we got quite confused there reading out the various permutations of where websites are being redirected to shows that it would be no wonder that Google would probably get a bit confused there. So what I would suggest is choose a e-commerce platform that you can Put the HTML up there that you want to. Um, OS Commerce is a good one. Magenta are two good open source ones. And just have one website would be my simple version. Then all the old websites use 301 redirects from every URL that currently is in the index to the most similar website, or the most similar web page on the new website. And just leave it at that. Have one domain name, no duplication anywhere else, just one website. You can build all your links to that. You can transfer all your link equity to that
3: site and keep it simple. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, essentially, you want to keep the confusion of Google down as much as possible. Having multiple domains can actually achieve that, unfortunately. The one other thing you can end up with with e-commerce websites is duplicate content. And you have to be very careful of duplicate content with Google. Um, you can use the relative canonical Yeah. Um, Kind of direction to point out to google this is the most important mm. content probably a little bit too much to go into here uh but we'll put a link into the show notes for a point where you can actually talk about that in kelvin's in kelvin's blog because he had some great notes on that
2: yeah yeah there's actually i don't know when this is coming out yet because it might take a little bit of time so sorry for pre-selling this if it doesn't actually come out for another month or two but i've been working on a comparison chart for i think 10 i think i did the top well 10 different um e-commerce platforms and looking at their seo friendliness of them saying you can change this on this one you can on this one this one you can but you need a plug in and all that kind of thing Mm. i don't know when that's going to come out um because we've taken a bit of write up around it but um i'm sure i'll mention it in the podcast coming up when that when that actually gets released that white paper on that topic so yeah sorry not to answer that one now but i will go into that because some of them you can use plugins that handle all that real caniconical stuff um automatically which is really nice absolutely
1: okay well we have to leave it there you've got to 26 minutes for the price of 20 um so um it's many thanks to mr kelvin newman goodbye and mr daniel Rails. thank you don't forget to leave your comments listen to me spieling over the music at the end for the new phone number for the voicemail for comments and questions to be left there there's a seagulls twitter outside it's going mad it's spring it's summer thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on internet marketing bye If you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five Oh, if you're inside the UK, it's oh one two seven three two five six one five Oh, and you can leave a voice comment or question and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing.